Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Gaster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Everybody, it's Sports Daily right here on KFH. Jacob Albright, Paul Savage in for Tommy Castor today as we are in the midweek edition of Super Bowl week. Super Bowl 57 just days away. An historic night for the game of basketball. LeBron James uh, makes a case more for his status among the all-time greats. Becomes the NBA scoring leader. We will get into that on the program as well. Uh, some sound from the Chiefs' big day yesterday. The voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joining us uh, toward the end of this first hour. Talk about KU's big win. Paul, good morning. How are you? Well, good morning, my good friend. How are you doing? Everything going okay? Yeah, we're doing well. We're just trying to navigate a very busy and crazy week. Super Bowl week always is. A lot of logistics to deal with. And, you know, you work for a TV station and a radio station that covers the Chiefs extensively, and it just adds a little bit of intrigue to this wild and crazy week, and we will get into all the Chiefs uh, Super Bowl content you can handle a little later in the show. 869-1240, the number to call. You can find us on social media. Uh, Paul, but we're going to start with K-State. They played last night. KU handled business Monday night. K-State handled business last night. In a tight Big 12 race, K-State beats TCU 82-61. to uh, They smother them in a lot of ways defensively. Uh, they defended the three really well. Um, you know, they, they out-rebounded them by a very healthy margin. They forced a lot of turnovers. They had a lot of turnovers, but they forced a lot of turnovers. I thought that was a really nice defensive performance and exactly what we needed to see out of K-State snaps the three-game conference losing streak, gets a little revenge on TCU. Yeah, TCU's a little hobbled right now, but they beat them by 21 points. Uh, they right that wrong from earlier in the year, and they climb right back into the thick of things in the Big 12. Well, as with most things with, with Kansas State, you got good, you got some bad, both in this particular game. And you're right. They split now with TCU. I mean, they, they lost to TCU on the road. Earlier in the season, they come back and get a nice uh, uh, win at home. Now, you are correct. This uh, TCU team is is beat up a little bit. They're nicked up. There's no question. This is not the same uh, really, really good TCU team that was, what, four or five weeks ago. But it's still right. a very, very good team. And and one of the things that TCU, uh, TCU brings is they will bring they will bring a lot of effort. It was a fun game to kind of watch. It was one of those games where, uh, uh, you know, you you kind of always knew what was going to happen. But there was that run. There was that run in the first part of the, the second half that TCU, you know, closed the gap, and you wondered, well, what's going on here? But, you know, to K-State's credit, they were able to fight through that, and they had a nice little run themselves and end up winning by 21. That's, that's really not bad for a, a, a team like TCU, who is still, as we point out, beat up. But it was a good thing. Well, I'll tell you what, the Big 12. I mean, you know, we had talked about the Big 12 earlier in the season. You know, who, you know who's going to win this thing and how, by how much and how many losses? 
Will whoever the eventual regular season champion is, how will they have? I mean, is it Iowa State? Is it Kansas? Is it is it K State? Who who is who exactly is is going to be that team? Is it Texas? Maybe it's Texas. I don't think it'll be Texas in the long run, but it might be Texas. But you know, it's really interesting. This might be one of the most fun seasons in the Big Twelve we've seen in a long time, my friend. Oh, I, I agree with that. I do think it's, you know, and of all the amazing, amazing seasons that we have seen, um, this out of this league, this, I think, is the best one. Oh, Top gosh. to bottom. Yeah. Now, Texas Tech, Texas Tech, you know, has struggled, but Texas Tech's a good team. And Oklahoma has struggled to some degree. But those are two good teams. Those aren't bad teams, and those are teams that can beat anybody in this league on any night. But here's some of the craziness of this, Paul. Right now in the Big 12 Conference, only one team has a streak that is longer than two games of either wins or losses, and that's Oklahoma State who's won three games in a row. Other than that, everybody has either lost or won one or two games in a row. I mean, you just like it's impossible to get on a heater in this league, it seems like. Uh, something else for you, Paul. The top teams are all really good at home, but no team in the league is better than, right now, one game over 500 on the road. You got to hold serve last night if you're K-State. You got to hold serve Monday night if you're Kansas, and they did that. You have to win your home games if you want a chance to win this league because everybody else is winning their home games, right? And And everybody's going through the same struggles on the road. Paul, that's crazy. No team in this league is over is is more than one game over 500 on the road. Texas and Kansas are each four and three. Everybody else is at or below 500. That I mean, that's just wild to me. Hmm. Well, and that there therein lies part of the reason why you know you can't watch any kind of. Uh, of show on sports with regards to, you know, analysis, breakdown, you know, just fun little stuff that you enjoy watching, uh, whether it's ESPN or Fox, wherever you choose to get your sports, uh, without somebody saying on on the show, well, the Big 12 is the toughest league in in the country. There's no question in anybody's mind. Uh, That goes along with saying, uh, to to what your point is, Jacob, this is the toughest team, the toughest league in the entire in the entire uh, world of college basketball, this league from top to bottom. You know, you look at Texas Tech, one and nine in the conference. Would it shock you if they run off two or three wins? Wouldn't shock Absolutely me. Absolutely not. No. No. I mean, because we were talking about Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, just what, three or four weeks ago, we were talking about would probably be, you know, one of the bottom tiers, maybe even the uh, bottom of the uh, Big 12. And then look, they turn around, they start knocking off people. They're five and five in the conference. Are you kidding me? We had them last in the league a month ago. This team was going to be probably number number eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that area in this league. And look at them. I mean, it, this is just nuts. And then Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma gets a big win. I mean, who who is safe? Who is a safe out in this league? I would even say, Jacob. I don't know if you would agree with this. Even Texas Tech, you can't count on a win against Texas Tech. You got to go play them, play them hard, beat them, and 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 walk out of whatever arena you're at with a win against Texas Tech. This league is really something, 
and it's the most fun I've had watching the the Big 12 in years. Well, other than the year that Baylor won the national championship, that was really special. But the point is that this league is really something special. And the country knows it. Everybody knows it. Anybody on TV or radio knows the Big 12 is the toughest conference in America. Yeah, look, and and good leagues do this with home games, what I was talking about, Paul. And, yeah. and it is even, and the, you know, the Big 10 has a lot of that, which the Big 10 typically is right there with the Big 12 as being considered the top league. I, I think the uh, Big 12 is pretty consensus, the top league this year. That yes. doesn't normally happen, but it is this year. But just as an example, in the American, the stuff I just talked about, the, the streaks, right? In the American right now, you have f- uh, four teams with streaks longer than three games, one direction or the other, right? Right. But whereas you had one in the Big 12, you have one, two, three, four, five teams, five teams with above 500 road records. Remember, you had two in the Big 12. So, you know, most leagues, year to year, you know, the cream rises to the top, right? That's what happens. That's uh, just not happening in the Big 12 necessarily. And even as it, you know, some of... You know, the non-cream has fallen to the bottom. What you just mentioned with Texas Tech, Paul, still exists there. Like, there's nobody in the world that would tell you Texas Tech, especially at home, can't beat anybody in this league. Literally anybody. Right. And on a good night, Texas Tech can smack somebody and get them on the road, too. Oklahoma's the same way. Uh, West Virginia's certainly the same way. Right. And, And West Virginia, Paul, right now, West Virginia in the net rankings is 20. It's number 20. I mean, they're higher than Kansas State in the net right now, Mm -hmm. which won't mean anything come tournament time, but those metrics matter. And, you know, if Texas Tech doesn't rattle off some conference wins, they're probably not going to get into the tournament. Um, Oklahoma's in a similar danger. Hopefully they do, because I do think there are eight teams, I mean, 10 teams good enough. Whether Oklahoma and Tech can get those wins, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it's just been wild to see. Kansas State last night. Uh, let's spend just a couple of minutes here right. on on Kansas State specifically. Impressive, obviously. The, the margin of victory was impressive. The defense they played was, was impressive, Paul, and some of the best they had all year. But Keontae Johnson was only able to get in 25 minutes of that game because he was in foul trouble. So, you know, if Keontae Johnson is your, is your guy, and he and Noel both make that case— but number one, Keontae Johnson was able to get 14 points and seven rebounds in those 25 minutes, which is just wild. But they picked him up, right? They picked him up. Uh, it was no big deal. They were never really in any danger in that game. And in a game where it much like KU, right? Your best guy wasn't at his best or in K-State's situation wasn't available because of foul trouble. The rest of the roster picked it up, picked up the slack and got you the win. Those are encouraging things. It is almost a mirror image of what we saw out of Kansas. The team played some of its best defense of the year. Their star player wasn't able to be that star player on that night, and and they were able to have an impressive win at home. So really nice to see that for K-State. Well, and you get a couple guys coming off the bench, as you just said, for Kansas State, get you 14 points, get you 13 points, you know, have a presence uh, on the board. I mean, mean, you look at Green. I mean, nine, nine rebounds. I mean, very impressive coming off the bench. And at a time that you needed something like that against a TCU, a team of the quality of TCU, you get that kind of play from the bench. Man, that's huge. That's huge going in into, uh, into, uh, into the tournament. Let's, let's remember this. 
The Big 12 season is just a little over half over. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about five to six teams that have a shot at making a run and then and and winning the Big 12 regular season. And when you're but when you're getting help off the bench like that, that's really you know not a lot of teams can say they have that kind of help uh, and that important uh, that kind of help, particularly when when you're when one of your key players is in foul trouble. But man, I'll tell you what this this. Uh, this, this was a big win for Kansas State. Uh, you split with TCU, which is basically what you got to do at certain times with really good teams in the Big 12. You get that split, one game on the road, one game at home, you split with them, with, with that opponent, and, you know, it's, 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 you know that's, that's almost an achievement. That's not bad. Because let's face it, we talked about this earlier in the year. Uh, right now, Texas has three losses. They're, they're leading the, the, the Big 12 with three losses. And do you remember probably four months ago, you and I were doing a show, and I made a prediction that the eventual regular season champion could have up as many as five or more losses. You agreed with me, said that would be oh, yeah. possible in this particular season. And you're sitting with Texas barely yeah. half over through the season, three losses. You know, it's possible the champion could have six losses. That's a possibility. I'll- Oh, for sure. I think it's a likelihood. I'll be stunned if the if if any team makes it through with just five losses. Really? By by based on what we've seen play out so far, I'll be stunned if anybody makes it through with just five losses. Right, right. And that's awesome because it's just been such a blast every dadgum night to watch Big Twelve games. Eight six nine twelve forty is the number to call. That's where we're starting uh, today. We'll come back. And we'll talk about LeBron James. He becomes the all-time scoring leader. Uh, Our historian, our resident historian, Paul, is in. A perfect day for that to happen. We have not talked about... I don't know that we've ever talked about LeBron James and his place in that hierarchy of NBA greats, Paul. We'll do that next on the day after his historic night. That's next on Sports Daily. Um, it's going to happen uh, forever and ever. You know, if I was the GM or, or whatever the case may be of a, of a franchise that was starting up and I had the number one pick, I'd take me. But that's just me because I believe in myself. I know what I bring to the table. A guy that has been able to um, transform his game over the course of 20 years to be able to play any position in this league and excel at any position. You know, I can play one through five. Um, you know, I've led the league in assists been able to do whatever this this game um, has wanted me to do and also just transform my game as well. Being able to stay, um, you know, with the curve and, and, uh, and changing my game if I needed to or just improve my game, but that don't take away from nobody else. I mean, so many great players has played this game and has, you know, has a last long legacies in, 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 this, in, this, in this game. Uh, this NBA is a beautiful thing and it's been some, some beautiful players to play it, but I I can't take nobody over me. All right, welcome back in. That was LeBron James. He breaks Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record in the NBA. It was, you know, inevitable. He got it. 38 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. James still getting it done 
even uh, this late in his career, Paul, he's going to shatter the record because he'll at least probably play a couple more years. I thought that was a really interesting take from LeBron because he's asked, of course, about, you know, being the GOAT and all that. And obviously he has confidence in himself, and I have no issues with that. Um, I think that his take on having a number one pick in an all-time draft and taking him, I agree with. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things, Paul, where I think it's a question that is an interesting one. I think that sometimes, naturally, we're going to say, do you have LeBron or Jordan? And I think that they're two different players that do two different things. And, you know, over all of these years, I still don't know what the correct answer is. But, you know, you're our, you know, you've got history museums, Paul. You live in that world. Um, You know, the record is broken. It's going to get shattered. Um, Is it rebroken by somebody else? Time will tell. But for right now, LeBron James is the scoring king of the NBA. Well, obviously, it's a record that can be broken. I mean, if you thought that uh, 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 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record couldn't be broken, well, you would be wrong right about now, wouldn't you? Uh, So you, you look at records like this and you think to yourself, somebody will come along, somebody who is talented, someone who has... Uh, great luck when it comes to health, and and that's one of the key things about LeBron. Is can you ever remember him, you know, missing much basketball due to injuries? I, I caught one little bite from somebody uh, last night that said he's never had surgery. Well, think about that twenty year career in the NBA, a grind yeah. up and down a court night after night after night for twenty some years, and you never have a surgery on any part of your body. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. And so he's had a charmed life when it comes to health. He's had a charmed life when it's come to teammates. Uh, The one thing that I would say, and Jacob, you've been to many a Hall of Fame induction. You've heard of, uh, uh, listened to many interviews with regards to gentlemen and ladies that retire from great careers in the world of sports. And most all of them at that moment say, I want to thank the people that helped me get here. This player, that player, somebody on the staff. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a high school coach. Maybe it was. I don't know who it is in your life that helped you get to where you want. I would even go as far as to say, as great a career as you've had up to this point in your broadcasting career, there's probably been somebody that's probably helped you along, helped make you better, helped make you successful to where you are now. And I had mentioned to Jad as he as he came into the studio, I said, boy, I, I, I listened to a bunch of the interviews last night. I couldn't help myself. I just wanted to hear what was said. I found it fascinating with, with this record-breaking uh, evening, and I wanted to hear what was being said. Very, I, I never heard another name come out of the mouth of LeBron. Now, now, most Hall of Famers, when they go into Hall of Fame, they say, I want to thank my mom. He's not in a Hall of Fame. Well, I know. But I'm talking about breaking a record like he had last night. I, I didn't listen ones, I didn't listen to the whole interviews. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and guess, Paul, that you generally aren't a big LeBron fan. Would that be accurate? I think that might be accurate. And part of that is because I understand that basketball is a team deal. A basketball takes five players, not just one. And, and normally uh, – and I know guys want to play with LeBron. Well, LeBron is a talented guy. Wherever go, wherever he goes, you know, there's the teammates are going to be better. I get that. But but golly, I like humble. I like humble. I like that's why I like Jad Chambers so much. He's a humble guy. And and it just I, I like a guy 
who gives some credit. And and I'm just I'm just wish that it was. And Jad happened to play coming in out of the break. He played a a nice a nice long uh, uh, diatribe by, diatribe by LeBron. Who me? This was me. I would take me. I'm the greatest. I would. You know, this is what I. Because that I, was an answer to a question about him being the goat. Okay. Paul. Well, I, I think. I, I mean, I think that you're going to find a reason not to like LeBron. I'm glad, and it's fine because I think this is what happens with LeBron, and he has put himself in that world intentionally. So I don't have a problem with that uh, because that's the, you know that's the path he's chosen to take with his career. He takes stances on things that are going to make people mad. Uh, you know, that's just what he does, and and okay, so. You know, it's it's interesting. I think as a player, I mean, he's got more assists per game than Michael Jordan has. You know, if you're talking about sharing the ball or whatever, he's got more assists per game than Kobe Bryant has, right? So, if you know, whoever you're putting in that conversation, I, I, don't, I definitely don't think he's been a selfish right. player over his career. Um, I think that, you know, it's what gets hard about it is I, I don't think, you know, th- the reason I think it's always so difficult between Jordan and LeBron is that they're they're two very different players, right? They're they're not the same player. LeBron is more of a point guard, honestly, or or a point center, right? He's more like Magic Johnson. Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan belong in the same conversation, but LeBron's always been, you know, hard to place because we've never really seen anybody like him to me outside of Magic and even with Magic like LeBron is as physically gifted as any athlete really we've ever seen especially basketball player part of being physically gifted yeah is never missing games like you want to talk about the things that generally endear athletes to fans man LeBron had in his career Paul one time has played Fewer than, and he'll play 50. One time he's played fewer than 50 games. Right. And it was in 2020 when he played 45. Like the guy's always on the court. He always plays and he always does this stuff. Right. And and we'll get more into this in the second hour because we got to take oh, a break I to get to so. Brian Haney. I hope so. But I, I just, like, I, I try when the problem with these conversations is people cannot take to the side their thoughts on where LeBron James takes certain stances and just look at the basketball. And you ever want to think about Michael Jordan when he said, you know, when he famously said, you know, the other side buys sneakers too and all that stuff. He didn't want to get into all that. This this is probably why, right? Because when you talk about Jordan and Kobe, you're talking about basketball only. Those guys have some skeletons in their closet. What skeletons does LeBron James have in his closet? He's been a model citizen. He's taken stances, but he's never in trouble. He's as great a family man as we have in pro sports. Right. He's been the banner carrier for this league for 20 years and now has the stats to put him in the conversation. It's it's just funny to me sometimes right. what people choose to care about and not care about. Promise we'll me talk we're, ab- yeah, promise we're coming back to this. We will. We'll come back to Thank this you. in the second hour when we're more open. But we're going to take a break now. We'll come back in this hour right after this with the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney. We'll talk to him about some of this Big 12 craziness and where the Jayhawks may place themselves in it. That's when Sports Daily comes right back. It's 
that time. Sports Daily getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Paul Savage here today. Paul in for Tommy, and we are welcomed now by Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. KU gets a big win Monday night. Things shaking up in the Big 12. We're going to get into all of that, Brian, but as a basketball savant like you are, we're going to ask you the question and put you on the spot right here. LeBron James. Greatest, greatest or no? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I think he's, he's tremendous. I, I think he's yeah. fabulous. Um, but I, I think Michael Jordan is the greatest. And I was actually in Coach Self's office the other day, and I asked him that question, and it was a pretty emphatic MJ as well. So I, I think it's, it's interesting because it's a generational thing. Uh, Jacob, how old are you? I am 37, soon to be 38 years old. Okay. And, and Tommy, you're, you're probably in your mid-20s? Oh, you've got Paul today, and oh, Paul is definitely Paul. not in his mid-20s. Oh, thanks for that. Boy, I really needed that one today. Thank you. <laughs> you know, what I'm getting at is if you grew up in the, the Jordan era, there's a pretty strong bias there. If you grew up in the LeBron era, and for the last 20 years all you know is, is LeBron – there's a pretty strong bias in his direction. But to me, having watched Jordan uh, and, and, you know, again, generationally, that was my, my childhood growing up, I, I just feel like there is a clutchness about his game, his ability in crunch time to go get his shot, his ability to, to make it happen from all three phases of the game. LeBron is a capable shooter. LeBron is not the clutch shooter that Jordan was. And I, I think that, uh, for me, it, it kind of comes down to that at the end of the day. Now, when it comes to being an unbelievable physical specimen that at his size has the agility and the quickness and the ability to just put his head down, play bully ball, get to the rim, and how do you stop 6'8", 260 when the train's barreling down the tracks? I mean, he can do things physically that we've never seen a basketball player do before. And when you talk about his ability to uh, you know, make assists uh, at a top five all-time clip, he's an excellent passer, and that, that bears mentioning. But there's a lot of head-to-head categories, and I think Skip Bayless summed them up pretty well on, on his tweet. I don't normally quote Skip Bayless, but in this case, I, I think he had a pretty good one last night when it talked about things beyond simply the six rings and uh, obviously the the six and oh in the nba finals is the biggest feather in in michael jordan's cap but he broke it down a little bit further last night and and talked about mj scoring titles 10 to 1 mj uh three steal titles to zero for lebron defensive players of the year uh for mj you know, nine time first team all defensive team lebron five uh, MJ's five to four and MVPs, you know, and, and keep in mind, this is a guy that, that walked away from the game for a couple of seasons and uh, obviously played college basketball on top of that. His counting stats would be even higher. Had he not, this is a guy who's just absolute killer instinct, uh, whether he had to lock you up defensively on one end of the floor or hit that game winner with all the defensive attention focused on him on the other was just otherworldly. And I just think when it comes down to it at the end of the day, let me ask you this, Paul, Jacob, Jad, 
who would you want taking the shot? Would you trust LeBron or, or would you give it to MJ? To me, that's not even a debate. You would give it to MJ in terms of the game on the line. His clutch factor, his killer instincts, to me, that, that makes him the greatest of all time. He was just the ultimate competitor. I, I don't think, and I don't mean this to, to sound negative about LeBron because his team's having a rough season, but uh, you know, he won the record and they lost at home to Oklahoma City. Uh, I, I just I, I don't see that happening to MJ on his biggest night. Yeah, it's. It, I think the problem with it is that the conversation of who do you build your team around and who takes the clutch shot are very different things, um, and and they're very different players. LeBron's a unicorn, but Jordan's ability to do the things you talked about have been unmatched too. I think it's an endless debate that'll never be solved, uh, just because they're so different, and and the winning factor certainly leans in with Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, Brian, Paul, Paul was there for the invention of basketball. So he's seen it all. Uh, but let's talk about, let's talk about college basketball. Uh, Kay, you looked really good. Do I need Monday. to go back and uh, do I need to go back and listen to the first hour though and, and see what you guys actually said? Or can I just hear your folks real quickly? Are, are you basically saying, okay. So it, Paul, it, Paul, I, I so I, I'm not saying he's the greatest. I'm saying that calling him the greatest and saying who would you build a team around if you could start from scratch with any player in NBA history are two very different conversations. The latter, I'd take LeBron. I'd build around him. But I, I think just on the floor, if you've got it one-on-one -on -one, or if you're looking for that big game performance, that's always going to be Jordan. His greatness was that. So I think it's an impossible question to answer, honestly. That's my thought, Paul. Well, I'm the same. I'm I'm sort of the same. Part of my problem with LeBron is that it's a me, me, me world for a LeBron James. It's I did this. This is me. I can play all five. If I was drafting, I would take me first. Me, 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 me. We both know that the great ones understand that there's a lot of people around them that make them great. And I'm, I, I'm just not convinced that LeBron would be one of those guys that would admit that readily. And uh, that's my only problem. Is he great? Yes, he's great. For guys' sakes, he might be the greatest of all time in, in ability and longevity. And by the way, Kareem played 10 years of his career without a three-point. How about that? Oh, how totally. Good, how yeah. good could he have been if he had honed in with, the, with, with college and, and learned how to use the three? Kareem may have put this record out of reach for LeBron without the three. But, but with that being said, it is what it is. But uh, uh, I, I thought, and I thought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was just a gentleman last night. As his records gets broken, yeah, but that's 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 the cool thing. Because he is, Paul. Hang on, real quick. If you ask Michael Jordan who he thought the goat was and who he would draft number one in a draft of all players, what do you think Michael Jordan's answer would be? I think he would take somebody else beside himself, and it would be LeBron. You, you have never watched or listened to Michael Jordan. If you think that's sure. what his answer would be, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, MJ I, would definitely say MJ. Yeah, he would. Well, I mean, there's no question. That wasn't to, well, you said who would he take? I thought you meant what player would he want? I, yeah, he probably would take himself. I get that. I thought you meant what player would he take? No, I, that's what, but what I'm saying is what, what's, what you're saying bothers you about LeBron. You're not holding against Jordan. And Jordan was the most me guy in sports we've ever seen. And he used that to his advantage. Well, like commercially. He, that, that was, yeah. Well, no, I, on the court. Right, yeah, like oh, sure. he don't. Okay. Nobody else better touch that ball. It's my ball, right? <laughs> That's part of Jordan's greatness. But LeBron's chosen to take stances that make people not like him, and that's yeah. his prerogative that's to it. do. And that's sure. you know that's that's what it is. All right, Brian. Here we go. Ku looked awesome 
on Monday. I thought their best defensive performance, at least at the start of the game, in a game they had to have. You know, we're looking at the Big 12, Brian. Nobody is on a more than two-game win or loss streak with the exception of Oklahoma State, who's won three in a row. Only like two teams are above five or at or above 500 on the road in the, you know, overall this season. Like you just have to hold home court, right? If you want a chance to win it. And KU did that in a great way Monday. They really did. And I'll tell you what, you started to talk about the defensive effort early, the activity level that we saw right out the gates from everybody on this team, particularly the supporting cast. It was called out on Saturday when Bill Self said the defense was lackluster and said, you know, if we're standing around on the offensive end just watching one guy, we're clearly not going to be even a fraction of what we're capable of becoming. And that was a game up in Ames where, yeah, Jalen got his 26. And at times, you know, it wasn't out of selfishness he was forcing it. He was forcing it because nobody else was bringing anything and he felt like he had to. That burden was on him. To, to come up, you know, with something that will Kansas to some kind of level of competitiveness because everybody else was just flat. Well, 48 hours later, message received loud and clear, and man, was Kansas good. I mean, you're talking about a team that scores 86 of their 88 from guys not named Jalen Wilson. And if you would have told anybody, including Bill Self, Jalen's only going to give you two on the heels of, of what we'd just seen two days earlier up in Ames, you probably think we lose by double digits, but they were that good. And it started with the defensive activity level uh, of DeWan Harris, I thought. I thought he was really the catalyst. And then to see Joe Yesifu have his best game in a Jayhawk uniform, we finally got to see what they thought they were getting two years ago with him when he transferred from Drake after being the you know, Cinderella of, of uh, the early weekend of March Madness. And he won all these games in a row with Drake and it averaged 24 per game over the final nine games in their postseason run. And you saw this burst and this killer instinct score. And you're thinking, man, this guy, even though he's a mighty mouse in terms of height, uh, he's one of the most fun players to watch in all college basketball. Well, what he did on Monday night, particularly on two plays, the, the dunk where you saw the 46-inch vertical and, and Kansas fans just erupt in the field house. But even before that, when he had a breakaway at midcourt and he kicked it into an extra gear that, that nobody else in the building had. I mean, it looked like Tyreek Hill for a second there in terms of the, the afterburners kicked in and boom, he was gone. That's what Bill Self's been waiting for. And we talked about this on a report a couple of weeks ago when uh, we just had a hawk talk with Coach Self and I told you about a moment in which he had said over the airwaves publicly, hey, Joe needs to be a guy that can come in off the bench on a regular basis and hit two or three threes for us and be that spark. And everybody in the crowd kind of nodded their heads. And Joe smiled and, okay, yeah, yeah, you expect the coach to say that. But then he put his headset down. Cameras are turned off. We're in a commercial break. Joe's walking away, and he puts his hands on both of his shoulders and looks him in the eye and says, son, I meant that. We need that. It needs to happen wow. now. Wow. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the switch completely flipped that night in that moment, but it's, I think, a large reason why you've seen a more assertive and aggressive Joe Yesifu these last couple of weeks. It's really trying to you know, you know, impose his will on the game and be more of a difference maker as opposed to a guy that was blending in for his first season and a half. So a lot of good things to take from Monday night, but the Juan and Joe in particular – really stood out for me 
But, hey, how about Grady Vick? He, he obviously led all Jayhawk scores, and we needed that from Grady as he'd fallen upon some tough times with the shooting numbers. It's great to see him put the ball on the deck, get to the rim, get some two-point finishes, and then watch how that opened up the three-point game where he was a very efficient two-for-three as well. You know, I want to ask a question about uh, the three-game losing streak that was just a little over two weeks ago. I mean, that just happened. I want, as an old football coach, I'm fascinated about what was the mindset of this football team? What was the mindset of this coaching staff? Walk us through that three-game losing streak. What was the attitude of the players? What what did the coaches want to try to accomplish? What Was this team ever in jeopardy of, of just falling off the earth with regards to this losing streak? What was the mindset of this team during those three during that two-week period where three losses uh, took place, three straight losses, I might add, uh, for the KU Jayhawks. Yeah, you know, Paul, I think that Bill did everything he could to downplay the fact that the losses were piling up because you were in the middle of an eight-game stretch where outside of Kentucky, everybody was ranked. They are all in the top 20. Kentucky, by the way, was preseason top five. So yes, I, I that's consider right. them, you know, in, in the same ilk in terms of talent. They were receiving votes at the time of the, of the game in Lexington. And so Self just kept saying, all right, teams lose sometimes. It doesn't happen at Kansas much, but look at who we're up against. And obviously we got boat raced in the TCU game. You know, we were down 22 before you could say rock chalk, and it, and it never really came together for Kansas on that day. But the loss at K-State and the loss in Baylor – you were right there, you know, with the chance to, to win it. And they really felt like they left money on the table at K-State with, with the two live ball turnovers at the end of regulation and the end of overtime. And those were committed by DeWan Harris, who in that three-game stretch was not himself. And, you know, he'd, he'd had the hard fall where he landed on his face late in the second half of the K-State game. And, and uh, though he passed concussion protocol and all that, uh, he clearly, for about a week and a half, was not the same guy. And he told us in pregame going up to Ames on Saturday that he was dealing with some vision issues for about a week and a half after that fall. So was that part of it? I don't know. But but he clearly wasn't – he had a different kind of energy level, clearly, in, in the game on Monday compared to you know, that, that losing stretch. But when you have you know, your catalyst struggling and then you run into a buzzsaw in your schedule – Losses are going to happen. And, and Coach Self, knowing that this was just the fourth time in 20 years that we'd lost three in a row, he knew there'd be some chicken littles out there in the fan base saying the sky is falling. But he was very clear to his team, hey, teams are going to lose three in a row in this league when you take, take on teams as good as the top six or seven are in the Big 12 Conference. And we just have to understand that we've got chances to ride the ship still in front of us. And don't let three turn into four. And so he did a good job of, of making sure that they weren't down and out because it's not like they were getting destroyed each night outside of the TCU game. They could have, should have, would have in both Manhattan and Waco. And so I think that did a really good job of keeping the players' eyes on the prize. And it's, it's also similar messaging heading into Monday night. We all knew in the media and as fans, Monday night was a must win. But he was careful not to use that phrase with his team. Uh, but obviously the math doesn't work in a league this good this year. Had you gone down three games to Texas with seven to go, and you still have to go to Austin. But the fact that you win that game on Monday and you just won back, now we got ourselves a race. And he was very careful to make sure the guys didn't feel that that pressure of must win, even though I think in the back of our minds, everybody knew that was the case. Brian, you have brought up several times Dewan Harris. We've been talking about him. We're chatting with Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. 
sort of dug in a little bit yesterday because I'm I'm getting fascinated by this. And when you look at K State, sorry, KU right now, not just in the losses, he has not been good in any of the losses that they have, but even the really close wins, right? Oklahoma State, uh, Wisconsin early, just up and down the list. This team is significantly better when he's providing some offense. Is is he in the conversation for most important player in college basketball when you consider the ceiling of KU as a national championship and just how much better they are when he provides some offense to them? I mean, it's wild how much they've gone by his hand offensively and how they've looked this year. Yeah, I think when when the ball goes through him as much as it does, when he's such a central figure point on both ends of the floor, I mean, you, you saw what, what he brought as a catalyst defensively the other night to get us off to such a great start. And then you've seen how flat we can go when he's making poor decisions and turning it over. He is, I think, in my mind, the most important you know key cog in our, in our uh, team success. That doesn't take anything away from the – value of, of Jalen Wilson and how spectacular he is, but it, it kind of comes down to the semantics of most outstanding player and most valuable or important player, as you phrased it. And, you know, if you're debating the MVP or the MIP, uh, you, you ask the question, well, who could you take away? Uh, and it would have the most catastrophic effect on the team if you took him away. Uh, the other night we saw Kansas, you know, win with only two points from Jalen Wilson, and that's not to minimize his contributions. He was obviously the defensive focal point of Texas, which is what opened it up for other guys. Let's be very clear. But we've also seen Kansas on nights where Dewan struggled, and to your point, you know, we either lost the game or you know really struggled to get by. So I think he is right there in, in the most important conversation for sure on this Kansas team. And as it pertains to nationally in that regard, uh, we'll just have to see how far KU goes. If we realize our optimal potential and we make it to the Final Four, then you could have that conversation. But if we play like we played in the first half, uh, really the entire game in Ames, we'll, we could go out in the first weekend this year of March Madness, and, and nobody wants to see that. So that's where you got to have the uh, the dialed in and, and efficient, effective, Dewan Harris, and it's not just him, but but a lot of times, you know, this team goes as he goes, and and here's hoping we get that version more nights than not. All right, Brian Haney, you've got uh, this weekend. It's Oklahoma in Norman. That game tips off at twelve. You'll hear it and pregame coverage right here on KFH. Brian, rest up. It's going to get rowdy on the road in the Big Twelve. That's right. Resting up with a great night's sleep thanks to the Mattress Hub. I feel like if Michael Jordan lived in Wichita, he'd shop at the Mattress Hub, too, because he's the GOAT. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I love the Mattress Hub because of Ryan Beatty and his staff. He's a Wichita homegrown guy and a former Jayhawk baseball standout. He's developed this amazing company that has all the top-line mattresses with the best customer service and prices you could possibly find. And I put my money where my mouth was at this past spring buying a purple mattress which has completely revolutionized my night's sleep in terms of the back pain that used to be there and the restless nights now until jad wakes me up every wednesday i'm sleeping like a baby thanks to my friends at the mattress hub hey guys always fun enjoy the debate i probably ticked off some lebron fans with my uh, take at the beginning like i said it's largely generational but some of those numbers don't lie either and uh, i think i think we're spoiled as basketball fans to have in our lifetime witnessed two incredible greatest of all time candidates. I just happen to side with the guy wearing 
red and black and, and the number 23. But, hey, you guys have a great uh, rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. He also wore a Wizards uniform for a minute and a White Sox uniform. Uh, all right. Uh, Paul and I will keep him angry coming up next because we'll continue the LeBron discussion. Uh, we got a shocker game tonight to talk about. We've got the Chiefs at the Super Bowl to talk about. Jam-packed hour number two. Time for your calls always, though. 869-1240. We'll come back. Sports Daily right after this. 